Hello, Texans, and welcome to the program. It's Texans All Access on a Friday night here in the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio across the hall from the locker room, which is kind of empty right now. I mean, there are some players around, but kind of empty. And it's a wonderful weekend ahead. No football, which is weird. I mean, there is that other league, and we're going to talk about that a little bit later on, just some elements related to all of football from that other league. But let's start here. As I am here with Drew Doherty, D.P. Sidhu, and today we are going to talk about some of the best ups because the Oscars are Sunday night. And I was on Drew's podcast. We're going to highlight some of that later on in the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, you were asking me about Oscar snubs and everything. Like this year, I haven't seen too many of the movies. You know, when you have small children, you don't see too many movies. Anyway, how's it going, guys? Everybody it's great. Good? It's, great. it's right. been a fun week, I think. I'm ahead of the curve on the movies the this year. Like, you I are? Normally, I never have seen Best them. movie you've seen this year. Man, I, I liked Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, I gotta see that. Oh, yeah. I really like. I just saw 1917. Two vastly different movies, obviously. But they're both nominated. I believe, right? Yeah, yes, probably. they are. They they're are. both excellent. What about you, DB? Well, J Lo got snubbed. The only one I saw was Hustlers. That's even on. I and saw it's that not, one, and it's not. It's not nominated either. Was, was that she. a best picture quality type of film? Well, no, but like I just Ocean's I, Eleven I, or something. No, but I I understand why people think that J Lo probably should have been nominated. There are not a lot of women. Not a lot uh-huh. of women filmmakers nominated. She did a good job. I gotta say, if you're gonna get a nomination out of that movie, her, yes, I could see. Because it. it was, it was a little bit of a serious role too. It wasn't just, you know. Yeah. I think you have to see the movie to see, but it was based on a true story. Right. So uh, there was some substance, some gravitas to it. The other yeah. movie I saw was Knives Out, which is more of more of a, like an artsy sort of like a Wes hmm. Wes Anderson. And that's sort of nominated. Movie. It's not. Oh, all right. Well. But I thought it was really good. So I, I need to see more movies that are award-winning. But now they can nominate ten movies, or what? It's, it's very strange. It's you know people think there are too many NFL players going into the Hall of Fame, mm-hmm. and they have this gigantic class and everything. There are way too many Oscar nominee movies, I think, and, and you just can't keep up with it all. I get it that oh, we can't nominate a comedy because otherwise, whatever. So they needed more spots. No, just make it more exclusive. That's what I say. Meet the Parents should have been nominated for an Oscar. Way back when. I'll tell you, if More it came exclusive? out today, if it came out today, it might be yeah. because the criteria criteria are different. All right, let's yeah. get to our superlatives, though. We've done best catch. We've done best run. We've done best defensive play. Yes. Now, where what are we up to now, DB? You're the keeper of this. Flame. I'm the keeper of this list. Uh, today is best gotta have it moment on HoustonTexans.com, which I def- which it was first called best third or fourth down moment, mm-hmm. but then you know after some. For the reflection, we decided that, you know what, a gotta-have-it moment in a game can sometimes come on first down, it can mm-hmm. come on second down, it could, you know, it could come when the other team's got the ball. So let's open yeah. it up a little bit to, like, some of the biggest moments within games throughout the year. Wow. Oh, all right, you guys go first because okay. I'm, gonna, I, I'm should, still digesting this one. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do Johnny's for him since okay. he's not here because I, I, was, I was complaining to Mark that he picked a really good answer, mm-hmm. and then in his, in his little paragraph that he wrote, he took another really good answer as, oh, this was the other one I was thinking. So I thought, I can't take that because now it's like you've got a 1A and a 1B. So you're Johnny's proxy. And by proxy, let me tell you what Johnny's. And, and he picked two. He hedged his pick. <laughs> you can't and hedge see, I think I think he took the, the best one, too. All right, the go ahead. Because he was first. But that's cool. You know? That's cool. That's got to have it moment. Snooze, you lose. You reply first, you get your pick. Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. His nomination, DeAndre Hopkins, fourth down catch in Kansas City mm. for the win. Deshaun Watson's fourth down completion to Hopkins mm-hmm. um, to eventually beat the to the eventual Super Bowl champions. It was that, that was his pick. And then he said... The other one I'd consider was the Deshaun Watson to Duke Johnson third and 18 conversion in the playoff game 
against Buffalo in the scoring. That was a huge. That was the one. I, that was the one that I probably would have picked had Johnny not said that that was his other pick. Yesterday, you talked about butterfly moments, right? Butterfly effect yes, moments. the butterfly effect. Not quite butterfly moments. But <laughs> if you don't get that and you punt, who knows what happens? Because you don't have the threat of a tie. It's a playoff game. You're going to play all night if you have to. But they get the ball back. And, mm-hmm. look, they already had that penalty on a drive that snuffed out a scoring chance for them. Who knows what happens? Your defense is getting tired. You had to make a play. And that's a huge one right there. Okay. Yeah. Mine, you look back at the Falcons game, and mm-hmm. if you don't remember much about it. You look and you see oh, the Texans nearly scored 50 points. Mm-hmm. They won by double digits. Oh, pff, blowout. That's easy. No problem, right? Right. Well, they were down 17-16 at the half, mm-hmm. and it was an eight-point game in the fourth quarter coming out of the two-minute warning, and the Texans have the ball. They got a third and five. Really kind of need to get a first down because the, the Atlanta offense had moved the ball and had scored. You got Matt Ryan. Right. You got to think, hey, they're capable. So what do they do? On third and five – to that point in Deshaun Watson's history, the Texans had kind of been conservative. They, mm. If they threw it, they'd throw something short and keep it, you know, in in the middle of the field. But likely they'd run it and they'd try to kill clock and then punt, kick a field goal or whatever. So they're at the 44 of the Falcons. They line up on third and five, coming out of the two-minute warning. And what's he do? He hits Will Fuller for a 44-yard touchdown. Yeah, that was I mean, that was huge. So it was an eight-point game at that time. Yes. And the Texans trailed in that game at the half by a point. At the half. You Which know, you forget when you think about yeah, it because you, you just feel like that game was just Went so, back and forth a few times. So lopsided yeah. when mm-hmm. you look at the final score. And so he does that, and it just blows it up. And it gives you that two-score cushion, and they you know, they kind of get back on offense. And does then he you get, get a pick six. To Sean Gibson gets mm-hmm. a pick six. Yeah. That, that game was a good example of you look at it at the end of the day, and it looks like a blowout dominating mm-hmm. victory, 53 points on the board, and give him credit for that. However, it took time to layer that together. Right. And think and, about it. It's Founders Day, so it's still it's the first weekend oh, in October. Yeah. And what did we see in Week 16 last year? The Texans leave the, the offense leaves the field with a lead, mm-hmm. and the, the defense gives it up, and, and the Eagles score and take. So that was kind of still in a lot of people's minds. Like, yeah. oh, are they just going to play to kill the – well, they didn't kill the clock. They, they killed the Falcons. I mean, they, yeah. they scored that touchdown. To go big. Great call, great play. Yeah. Hopkins, I mean, uh, Watson to Fuller. All right, so for me, look, you talked about the third and 18 to Duke. If you talk about that drive, and we, you know, we all know what the play is, it's probably the play of the year, but to hit Taiwan Jones after the sack escape, I mean, that's a got to have it moment right there. What if they sack him? You know, what if he goes right. down right there? What if, Oof. again, it's similar to the Duke Johnson third and 18 conversion. You know, there you are. If you're unable to convert there and you're out of field goal range, now you got to punt back to them, and who knows what happens. Yeah. And that was such a clutch moment right there. That stands out to me as a gotta-have-it moment. I have some others, though. What do you have? I was going to say that play fits mm-hmm. in several different categories mm-hmm. in this series. Sure. It was best catch. Someone nominated. Johnny nominated No, John for b- broke all the rules and made the best, <laughs> best run, run, even though it's a... Because yeah. it was the run after the it's catch. It's a yak. Best yak. It's the yak. best, best uh, got to have it moment. And mm-hmm. it's probably the best the best win all year, you best could say. Best play I mean, of the year. Best also, play of the year. It also provided the greatest of all time mm-hmm. replay in the stadium or, or, or video board moment. Because right after that happens, right after Taiwan Jones goes down and the crowd's going bananas, the crowd starts to die just a little... And then they flash to Deshaun Watson going like this on the screen. <laughs> yeah. And they just the lose their minds. It was awesome. The flexing was pose awesome. was wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Great. mine was Brennan Scarlett's fourth down stop 
for the win in Indy. I just remember coming off that loss uh, at Baltimore. It was the worst loss in, Deshaun, in the Deshaun Watson era. Right. So the Texans have to bounce back. Like, they have to bounce back. It's a short week. It's Indianapolis. Oh, and it's Jacoby Brissett, who for some reason eludes. That's right. The, they had never beaten They had beaten never Brissett. beaten Brissett up until this moment. So their the Colts are down 2017, mm-hmm. late in the fourth quarter. And you know Brissett, he's just marching the offense down the field. They're close to midfield. They don't convert the third down. The Indy calls a timeout, three minutes remaining. Brissett gets back on the field, fourth and seven, and he starts scrambling after the ball snapped. And it looks like he's going to get it. But mm-hmm. Brennan Scarlett just appears out of nowhere, tackles him just short, uh, mm-hmm. just for, for a six-yard One-yard shot. Maybe, chin, chin, maybe less it. than a yard. Yeah, less than a yard. Stops him. And it ends the drive for the Colts. They can't get the ball back. They can't score again. And then it ends the Colts' chances to win, to tie, and mm-hmm. the Texans remain atop the Kind of torpedoed really, their season, too. It, it did. That it killed them in the division. That's, a butter, that's another butterfly effect. Although mm-hmm. it was week 12, so... No, but that's I like a, butterfly effects to happen. You earlier. lose that game after losing to Baltimore, and Oof. then you got the Patriots coming up. Yeah. Hello. In fact, the Texans trailed entering the fourth quarter of that game. Mm-hmm. You want to talk about th- things that you forget? Trailing when they trailed, they trailed entering the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. I'll never forget opening that quarter, thinking, "All right, this is it. Let's go." That you have to do it right now because. You know, you don't want to lose two in a row after everything you've built to that point. And it was interesting in the build-up to that game. You and John, sort of jokingly but accurately, referred to that game as "This is the AFC South Championship game. Mm-hmm. Whoever wins this wins the AFC South." And you were right. Yeah. But then you had to play another one a couple weeks later, Tennessee. three weeks later, which at was Tennessee also... <laughs> when you were counted out. Tennessee was going to roll you. Yeah. It, you had no chance. Everyone mm-hmm. was picking the Titans. You go out, you take a two-touchdown lead, and you beat them pretty handily at their place. Well, and we called it that because at the time, the Titans had won two in a row. Yeah. But no one really believed that, was this really going to happen? I, I thought it was like four well, in a row. No, but they did leading into that Texans-Tennessee oh, game. But when you played the Colts, it was on a Thursday. Oh, so right. the Titans had yet to take the field. Mm-hmm. And then you had the next week. and then Maybe it was That's just true. one. Maybe they just had one win. They had a bye somewhere in there. Well, because you remember, so you, Texans beat the Colts. Mm-hmm. And then the next week, Colts host the Titans. And they have all these special teams eruptions that just oh, they yeah. sink them and the titans win that game and get some right. more momentum and it so. actually was a pretty close game going into the yeah. fourth quarter yeah. so there you have it all right so you have yours i was going to pick the scarlet one as well so <laughs> i, I like went to the so... taiwan jones because it can fit any occasion okay it's yeah. an accessory it's the little black dress of plays of the year that's exactly what it is I you can wear it for that. so many occasions that's a that. great reference <laughs> i mean should i put that in my write-up <laughs> yeah i think so this is the little black this is the dress little bra- it goes black with dress. everything okay it's khaki it khakis it's khakis for uh for a guy okay uh a couple of minutes left in this segment now uh, what else do we have coming up this weekend? So this weekend on Saturday, we'll unveil the best touchdown of 2019. Mm-hmm. And then on Sunday, leading up to the Oscars, the best regular season win. Ooh. Which, when you think about it, we all had different answers for that game. Yeah. We all had different answers for that game. <laughs> and I could make an argument for each one of those wins. You know, it's funny because you could say the Chiefs, the Patriots, mm-hmm. uh, the Titans up there. But the Titans and Tampa Bay, I kind of look at those two weeks as one thing that you were on the road back-to-back mm-hmm. with your season on the line, and you took care of business, all right, to get to the postseason. And I was on the air Friday morning with Cecil and, and Wade. I say Friday because I never know when people are listening anymore with podcasting or whatever, and some of this is on YouTube. And who knows where this is being seen and ingested by the viewing and listening public. But 
I was talking about the fact that you forget those moments sometimes. The way the season ended, yes, very disappointing, but you forget everything it took to get there. And this team, they're in the playoffs all the time now. You know, I remember when it was really hard to get to 500. Getting to 500 for the first time, we felt like having yeah. a parade in 2007. Oh, 500, thank goodness. And then the next year you get a 500. Then you finally get a winning season. Look, going to the playoffs a lot is great. Fine with me. I want to see more. Want to see more and need to see more. But this is really cool to be getting into the postseason every year. And those two teams that you beat in that, that mm -hmm. two-step there that you mentioned, they were both piping hot. They each won four games right. in a row coming into that game, and you, you ended a pair of four-game win streaks in consecutive weeks. And Jameis Winston was putting up some numbers yeah. when yeah. he played Tampa Bay. And then he put up some picks. And then he put up some picks. Awesome. Thankfully, yes. yes. Why, where are you leaning with the um, – Play of the uh, game of the year. Oh, for me, it was the Chiefs. I mean, at yeah. the Chiefs when you beat them. And, yeah. uh, you know, I, I think. Does it, it feel weird that you lost to the playoffs, yet you focus on that game? I, I don't think you can ever take away from, hey, you're on the road in the regular right. season. You want a big game at Arrowhead. That's awesome. There, even with a limited Patrick Mahomes, I think he's still better than 90% of the quarterbacks in the league. And you were able to, you, you withstood some body blows. I mean, mm -hmm. you took, you went down 17 3, and you still come back Gosh. and. You, Isn't you, that incredible? You suffocated them in the second half. I mean, you yeah. made them punt twice in the fourth quarter. So yeah, it was it was weird. So they had they had that that's that seventeen three advantage in the mm. first quarter of that first game, and then through the next four quarters, so the right. last three quarters of the win and the first quarter of the loss, you outscored them something like forty eight to seven or. Something like that, and they, then they they, only they had, poured the gasoline on second, third, fourth of the playoff. They, they only had one possession in the third quarter as well, right? I think that was a big key to winning that game was keeping oh the Mahomes, in the third quarter, yeah, Mahomes and the fourth offense quarter. off the yeah. field. Basically, I think they had a little bit. It was like they two beginning. in the fourth. They scored in the third to take a lead, and then yeah, there was there was a big chunk of time where Huge it seemed chunk, like they. Yeah. <laughs> The Texans were just on the field, and Casey yeah. just could Dominated not. Their it. offense could not get back and, out there. And Jacob Martin, who had a good year, okay, and I'm eager to see more. And I'm not, I'm not saying he's going to be Defensive Player of the Year or anything, but I think this guy can certainly help. He made a big play where he knocked the arm of Mahomes on that third down when the Chiefs had mm -hmm. the ball in the middle of the quarter. And look, if Mahomes, I don't know where that ball is going. Mahomes might have been able to make a big play that resulted in a first down and butterfly effect. There you go. But Martin knocked his arm and the ball's flight, you know, drove mm -hmm. it into the ground. So I, I just think you have to look at things like that. You know, guys making plays, little plays here and there add up to big things sometimes. So that's pretty cool. All right. Next up. Rules in the NFL. DP was at the Pro Bowl. They experimented with some rules. And XFL, they have some rule differences. Don't forget that the NFL adopted the red flag challenge rule from the USFL. So anything's possible. Let's discuss on Texans Radio. Keeping you company on a Friday night. Sounded like I was about to start singing there, but I'm not. Drew Sounded Doherty. like the start to a sitcom, like an 80s sitcom. Keeping uh, your company, Texans all access. Damn it. All right, never mind. Back when the Fox Network was starting out with The Simpsons and what else? Tracy Ullman. Married with Children. 21 no, Tracy Jump Street. Ullman, really? Oh, yeah. yeah. I 21 Jump Street. I own, she had a show on HBO for a while. I own four seasons of 21 Jump Street on DVD. I love that show. It was a great show. And it was show. a movie with Jonah Hill. And yeah, and that was funny, too. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. Okay, now Drew Doherty's with us, Mark Vandermeer with you. And you had me on your dozen questions Drew's podcast. Drew's dozen, yeah, podcast. We're going to have a little bit of that in the next segment, but let's do a little bit of this right now. We talked about rules discussions in the NFL, and by discussions, I mean we will discuss them. I assume, well, they always talk about rules at the owners' meetings right. and in these offseason meetings. There's always a tweak. 
always a tweak or two, and I know pass interference is going to be a big thing. I don't want to open up that can right now. No. I don't know what they're going to do. Of course, this is something we're going to talk about a lot this offseason because mixed reviews, a lot of bad reviews on the way Well, yeah, because they made all these changes last year, and then they didn't enforce them. And the Texans got hosed. A couple I, of they, times. they lose the game anyways, but they got hosed in Baltimore on a, on a clear pass interference. Yeah, game. you the, reviewed the, it, you saw it, you didn't call it. The officials clearly stuck their head in the sand and said, we're not calling this. You can you can right. enact it, but we're not going to call it. Right, and that's unless it's ridiculous. Like the one Even that happened was, against the Saints the year before in the NFC Championship game, that would have been called. Because they did, I don't know, man. They did, they did turn a few no calls into calls, but not nearly as many as they could have. I get. I mean, getting tackled as the ball is before that seems a pretty no, clear. No, on Hopkins, I agree. That was yeah. pass interference. Anyhow. And and Bill O'Brien threw a flag on one against Kansas City. Didn't get it on a pick play, but he got a later one, a later one. Right, like a makeup one. call. Yeah, latter day call. Uh, they, he got a later call. Because I think he brought attention to it. So right. that's pretty cool. All right, let's do this and now. And for the record, I'm not saying the Texans mm-hmm. lost because of that one No, of course call. not. But so, that would have helped, you know. Sure. I mean, butterfly effect different like thing. we always talk about. We might do a whole show called The Butterfly Effect. Okay, Drew, uh, XFL has some rule changes, some rules differences. And the Pro Bowl experimented a bit as well. Mm-hmm. The Pro Bowl had that. Uh, let's start there. I, we'll get to the XFL in a second. What are your feelings on... Onside kick, you wipe that out, okay? And instead, late in the game, you're trailing, you score a touchdown, you want the ball back, you can elect to take it 4th and 15 at your 25 to try to convert. If you miss, well, they get the ball in your territory. If you make it, you keep possession. Do you like or dislike that? I'm cool with that in the Pro Bowl. I still like <laughs> I still like the... Uh, in other words, you're not cool with that. Right. And I think you should be able to... I think you should be able to kind of somehow tweak the, the kickoff rules in the regular season if it's under three minutes remaining in then the game. Then what do you do? What, what, what do you want to see happen there? Maybe you can go I – mean, you don't have to have, you know, two guys outside the numbers and two guys oh, in between. Oh, I see. Like, you can do that, you know, stack ten guys. On one side. I think that's fun. But there's probably too many safety concerns, et cetera, et cetera. But I like the old the, – the traditional onside kick rule – not mm. rules, but the formations you could wind right. up seeing because – it's still going to be really tough to convert that, yeah. but let's give it a chance. You know, I think it's fun to see and fun to reward teams that are able to to recover an onside kick. Now it's nearly impossible. I'd rather see that. What I'm that, saying, or what the yeah, what you're yeah. saying. I'd rather see that than this fourth and fifteen. This fourth yeah, and fifteen, yeah. although exciting for the fans, and maybe that's bottom line why they're going to do it. Chiefs could go sixteen and zero if you enact that. Well, you really could. They really could because let's say you have a two-touchdown lead on the Chiefs in the fourth quarter, right? And they're roaring back. Right. And they have this drive, bang, 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 drive down the field, they score. Now they're going to take it fourth and 15 at their 25. Your defense is gassed. I, Mahomes, he just hit a third and 15 mm-hmm. for a bazillion yards to Tyreek yep. Hill to really uncork a rally in that game in the yep. Super Bowl. So, you know, fourth and 15 to certain guys, I'm not saying it's a high percentage play, but you know, you see a Mahomes back there, you see Lamar Jackson, you see Deshaun Watson back there, and you're thinking, oh, they're going to convert this. Right. So I, I just think it's too much of a reward, for lack of a better word, for the trailing team. Yeah. You know, make them earn it on that onside kick. I don't know what's fair, fourth and 20, fourth and 25. I don't know. I don't know what to say about it. But uh, And I agree, it, the onside kick has become such a low percentage play. I just want to see them do something else. Okay, XFL will have no extra points. Mm-hmm. I mean, have you heard about this one? Yeah, of course. Yeah. All right, so no extra points. After touchdowns, 
teams can try for a single point by running it in somehow from the two-yard line, two points from the five, or three points from the ten. Now, obviously, the NFL is the two-point conversion from the two. Right. And there was discussion about would you go to the one-yard line, you mm-hmm. know, when they when they were talking about all this stuff a few years ago. One-yard line would be, okay, we're going for two an awful lot. But let me ask you this. Would you be in favor of a three-point conversion somehow from some distance in the National Football League? Again, I think this is cool, but it's cool for the XFL. I don't, I don't want to ch- change too much about yeah. – you know, I, I, there are going to be some changes that come from – what the XFL is doing right now, mm-hmm. and it's going to make the NFL better. Mm-hmm. I do believe that. But for right now, I like – it's like I like chocolate ice cream, and uh-huh. I like vanilla ice cream as well, and I like strawberry ice cream, and this is uh, this is strawberry ice cream right now. Mm-hmm. Let's keep chocolate chocolate or vanilla vanilla, and I think yeah. it's fun to see, but for I don't want to I don't want to change too, too much because it goes back to that 4th and 15 mm-hmm. idea. You're rewarding yeah. maybe two – I don't know. From it, the 10, it's too close. It's in more the, scoring. In the NFL, yeah. Yeah. you're down nine – and you score, and now I have a chance at a three-point conversion from the 10. And I got Pat Mahomes or Deshaun Watt. Forget it. I don't, I don't think it's a fair thing. I don't think the NFL is boring. <laughs> I, don't think no, I, I, don't I think, agree. I think, it, you know, obviously you always try to improve. It's, there's there's yep. always something that's a little bit broken, needs a little bit fixing, but I don't think it needs that much fixing. Okay, two forward passes on the same play as long as one of them is behind the line of scrimmage. You mm. like that. That's cool. It's cool for the XFL. I, th- I think it's cool for yeah. them. It's uh, it's terrible yeah. for the NFL. I mean, come on, play the game the way it's supposed to be played. Over t- now, this is interesting in overtime. Now, in the NFL, I love this. I would yes, in, I would take this. This what you're about to say. I would take th- this. This is better than college. Yes, don't it you is. think? Absolutely. I think the college overtime. First of all, the stats becomes should not ponderous. Count. Yeah, it should not count, and the scores are ridiculous. It should be uh, Aggies one. Uh, by a score, uh, it was tied 30 to 30 in regulation or something. Right. You have to be able to say what the score in regulation was and that you won the overtime, just like they won it on penalty kicks 4 to 1 or whatever. We did, this is what it is. It's penalty kicks, but far but more interesting, okay, far more fast. Here's what they have going on. As in soccer or hockey, this is the Chronicle writing this, each team will have five tries to score from the opponent's five-yard line. And I guess that's you take one, I take one. It's love like penalty it. kicks. I love it. Okay? So you on. get a chance. I get it. If you don't make it, now I go, I make it. Each successful try is worth two points. Overtime ends when one team has an insurmountable lead. That's not bad. That's a great idea. Sign me up for that, and let's bring that to the NFL. I'm cool with it. Instead of overtime. Yeah. I, yeah. I think you're right. I think you're right. It's totally fair. Okay, now – some teams might say, well, I'm a defensive team. Okay, well, stop them on defense. Yeah, yeah, play defense on the five. Mm-hmm. It's from the five-yard line. We're not giving it to them at the one-foot line. No, I love The five-yard line, everything's in play on both sides of the football, mm-hmm. right? So what's the problem with that? I, I think it's a great idea. And in the NFL, by the way, I'm done with extra possession, whatever. I would rather go back to the old way. If we're not going to do something like this, something really you know, extravagant, Drastic, yeah. I would say – Go back to the old way. I love the old way of being able to say you flip the coin, you play defense. If if they happen to score with a field goal, it's over. It's sudden death. What's the you played sixty minutes of football? If you can't settle it, then what are you doing? So that's okay. The first game is Saturday, Sunday, right? The the team here they're playing on Saturday. Okay, right. The owners' meeting mm-hmm. is in about a month and a half. Yeah, late right? March, always yeah. late March. Yeah, so Florida. There's going to be a good reservoir of games that have, that 
if they've oh, been yeah. able to see by that point. I wonder what, if any, rules from the XFL get adopted or talked about or discussed in that ownership. Well, I, th- I think we can do our own math here and say what would have any chance at all. Like, I, I don't think, think the overtime would have a chance. I no love chance. it. I wish it would, but they're not going to do Maybe eventually. They're going to mm-hmm. have to see it play out for a long time, and they're not going to want to say, oh, we just stole this immediately. It's going to be so obvious, sure. right? Uh, they have a one foot in for receivers, which I used to say the NFL should have. But now, like I now that I've been in this league for so long, you have to respect the game and the game is two feet in. Yeah. OK, so get it sort of devalue what you see. DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you one rule that I used to say, well, why did they ever enforce that? Which was the defender pushes the receiver out of bounds before his feet came down. In the old days, you could say it's a judgment call. Officials could say he would have come down in bounds. You're not allowed to push him out of bounds while he's in the air trying to make a catch. Uh, that rule has actually worked out pretty well because I think right now the the fewer judgment calls, the better. And yeah. that would be totally unreviewable. I think the one foot in that the XFL is mm-hmm. going to have, I mm-hmm. think they kind of need to do that also out of necessity because the quality of players not what the NFL has. So yeah. it's, a, it's tougher to make that two – Exactly. It, keep the two feet in bounds. Exactly. So there's there's more guys that can actually make the one-footed catch. That's a really good point. All right, coming up, Drew and I take social media questions. Also, Drew does a podcast. He does it in the lab with Johnny, but he also does Drew's Dozen Questions. I am on it. Let's play an excerpt of it, and we'll see how far we can take it, because he did ask me who my favorite guitarist was. All that more coming up on Texans Radio. Big segment here, Texans Radio. Mark Vandermeer, Drew Doherty with us tonight. And coming up later, Drew's podcast, Dozen Questions with me. We'll play an excerpt of that, including some football stuff and who's my favorite guitarist. And let's start out here as we take some questions on social media. Jan on Facebook. Will you watch the XFL? You know, I think it's a great question yeah. because there have been so many leagues that have started up over time. I'm an old USFL guy. Mm-hmm. They played games on my campus in college. Right. I go back that far. The Boston Breakers, they were at our field. So in a dorm room overlooking the field, it was like a luxury suite. And I watched the Breakers play. And that was pretty cool. Watched them play the Philadelphia Stars. And... So many people in the NFL came out of that league, not only players, but coaches and Dom Capers, the very first head coach. Texans have an assistant coach, Carl Smith, quarterback's coach. He was an assistant coach on that the Stars team that you talk about. We were at the same game. He was coaching for the Stars. I was watching the Breakers play the Stars. We talked about that game. He remembered everything. So I will check it out. I check out all football. I checked out the UFL. Remember that league? Sure, sure. They had about four teams. I think Hartford was one of them. One of them coached by Chris Palmer. That might have been the one. Former Texans offensive coordinator. And they had the fluorescent colored uniforms Uh and everything. They all looked like the Seattle Seahawks back then. We love football. We're going to watch football. I'm I'm definitely going to check it out. As far as the viability of it, that's another subject. Okay, let's go to Nahib. Uh, will Vernon and Roby be re-signed? Look, Roby is going to be a top corner free agent, right? If he hits the market, you know, they still have a chance to sign him before he hits the market. If he hits the market, he's going to command top dollar because if you look at the corners who are available in free agency, it's a class that, well, you can judge it however you want, but he's one of the top guys that will be out on the market if he hits it and he's going to command a huge salary. I'm not sure how they're going to figure that works into what they want to do because if you do sign Tunsil and Watson and all these guys to big, huge contract extensions, it kind of limits you a little bit. I know it's an important position, but those are things they have to weigh carefully. So I really don't know exactly what they're thinking in that department. I would be mildly surprised if Bradley Roby's back. I know they liked what he did this this year. He missed a chunk of time with an injury. I think I'd be... 
more surprised if Vernon Hargraves were not back. I kind of think they'll they'll work with him and get him right. back in the fold. But I, I I just don't don't think we'll see Roby back. I, I could be wrong, but that's just right. my guess. Oh, here's Dean on Facebook. Is Will Fuller going to be back next season? Yes. I would assume Will Fuller yes. would be back next yeah. season. I know that it's disappointing that Will has had injury issues. There's no doubt because it feels like a mystery every other week. Will Will play? Will he not play? I mean, I think some of that plays into the opponent having to get ready for Will, and maybe you can jump them, you can surprise them. But I think it also affects the Texans clearly, especially if Will goes out of a game. Right. right? You've game planned. You have Will in the game plan. Now he goes out. Now you have to shift things around. I think that's caught them a few times in a situation where clearly they're not as productive without him. They could still get business done. Hell, they won 10 games, but it's difficult. At the very least, look, they picked up Kenny Stills right before Mm -hmm. the opening bell. Maybe they fortify even more at the wide receiver position, but keep him around. We'll see how they play it. He's too tantalizing to let him go, because what if he does figure out the health, and what if he is healthy all year? He's under contract. He'll be back. Yeah. Will Fuller's not going anywhere. Will the Texans change their jersey colors, asks Dom on Facebook. Is that Dom Capers asking us (laughs) about that? Because he was around for the very first season. No, Coach. It's not changing. Not changing. In fact, if you want to change, let's say right now they decided, you know, we want to go to Fuchsia as a jersey color or whatever, they would have to wait at least a year. I think you have to do it two years in advance to make tweaks. In fact, they put the bullhead on the jersey, and that took a couple of years to get approved to the pipeline. The NFL is very particular about this stuff. I'm not exactly sure why you can't just declare in the offseason we're going to a different uniform and then get ready for that September, but maybe they don't want knee-jerk decisions. I don't know. I don't know the rules NFL-wise, but I can tell you from the Texans' marketing standpoint, the Texans are still a very young franchise in the grand scheme of things. It came around in 2002, still the youngest in the league, and they, they're still trying to establish and burnish an identity. And whether you like the jersey colors or the logos or not, they want to keep that and build up a, a kind of a, a reservoir of, of recognition from fans. And yeah. stuff. So they want to just, yeah. it's going to take some time. It'll be a while before anything changes uniform wise and, and color wise. Austin on Facebook wants to know is JJ Watt retiring? Uh, we all retire someday, but it's not coming anytime soon, man. Do you know what, something we, we don't know? To Austin, yeah. Well, you know that his fiance is going to play for Chicago, mm-hmm. all right, in the women's soccer league. Uh, I don't think that has anything to do with J.J., though. I mean, clearly it has something to do with his personal life. But J.J. came back to participate in the postseason, and I just I think he's going to want to ride this out as long as possible. I don't know. And, in fact, these days in the NFL, you get some surprise retirements. Luke Keekley was a little bit of a surprise. Right. Concussion issues, though. Other things factor into guys retiring earlier than you would expect or hope anyway. Uh, but I just—he's so competitive. He wants to do this. A few things, yeah. He's maniacal about how he he attacked his rehab, how he attacked rehabs and off seasons right. you know, before this to get back. So I I remember that he was on Saturday Night Live last week, and people right. might be thinking, oh, well, he wants to be an actor. And he's going to join I the do, cast. Actually, do you think he would be a great actor when he when his football is done? But he said in the monologue, I'd trade being here hosting the show for being in a hotel getting ready for the Super Bowl yeah. right now. Uh, he would do that. And I just I don't see it happening. He has talked repeatedly over the last decade about how much he loves practicing. Not everybody likes practicing. You know, a lot of guys just they're there for the game. JJ enjoys practicing, yeah. loves the games even more. I don't see it happening anytime soon. Yeah, I don't see it happening. I thank goodness either. for the Texans defense if that's the case. So competitive, yeah. wants to be a part of it, and he's on a good team. Here's the other thing. Like if you're a great player on a bad team, 
you know, Keekly, makes it easier. Instance. Makes it easier to retire. Yeah. Not that the Panthers are bad, but they're rebuilding. Right. Calvin Johnson, Barry Sanders, they left in the primes. They're yeah. on awful, it, it awful wears teams. on you. Sure. You know, this team's going to the playoffs every year now. It feels like, and you hope that continues. Mm-hmm. And look, eventually you hope to break through, but you have no chance to do it unless you're getting there. And if you're on a bad team, it's got to wear on you no as doubt. a player. Yeah, That's no just doubt. my thought. Uh, Brian on Facebook, what position should we, we, all of us, look at drafting or trading for? Helping you know, JJ with the pass rush. I think pass Helping rush. the cornerback spot, yeah. Corner, they're never done with the O-line. I think in their opinion, they always want to make it better because you have to have depth. You know, we talk about that first line of the depth chart all the time. And I mentioned this last night on the radio show. First line of the depth chart, obviously monumentally important, right? But you're dealing with a middle class in the NFL as well. And mm-hmm. McLean said, it's also low class, you know, meaning everybody on the roster. I'll never call anybody low class. just sounds bad, bad connotations there. But here's the deal. You have to have that meat of the roster yeah. depth chart shored up, and they're always going to look to add to the O-line. But I think receiver at some point, I'm not saying really early. Now, remember, they do have a draft. There's a lot of misinformation out there. Texans have no picks. Hang on a second. No picks in the first round the next couple of years. But they have a – well, no, they have a se- – yeah, the next, yeah, first round next couple of years. Yeah. Next, next couple of years. Yeah. Second round pick they this do have year. One, yeah. Two-thirds probably this year. Now, right. you'll know the exact draft situation right before the combine. One of those thirds is going to be a conditional. It's Well, it's a, a compensatory, and that's going to get sent to Cleveland for Duke Johnson. So you'll have one-third because the other but one – But you get another one back, right? I think you have two maybe. I, I, it's going to be it'll, tricky. It'll yeah. play out – Maybe that you have two-thirds, that'd be great. You had another one from the Clowney deal from Seattle, which you sent to the Raiders right, for, for Gary on Conley. And he'll be back. He'll, he's going to play corner for And, and that's, that's a whole other thing about this offseason and Bill O'Brien being in charge of all the acquisitions yeah. now. And look, he's always had final say, but this is with his hand on the wheel. It's been interesting because they've been very aggressive. I mean, they've gone after mm-hmm. some stuff. I mean, the moves they've made are really interesting. And I think you're going to see a lot of cool things happening this offseason a lot of real eye-catching stuff, and you hope it all works out. But Tunsil, Stills, Hyde, Duke Johnson. Where would you be without those guys? Right, Upper Creek. I mean, maybe seven and nine, six. And, I don't know what the record would be. I don't know how it plays out. Maybe other guys fill up those spots and you do okay. But probably not. They needed, he saw that they needed to make some moves. They did. Now, they were aggressive. Those moves were, quote, expensive, but worth it. And now you have to see how it plays from here. All right, let's do this now. Drew has a podcast called The Dozen Questions, or Drew's Dozen. It used to be The Dirty Dozen, now it's The Dozen. Anyway, I am a guest on it this week. It's available wherever fine podcasts can be obtained. Let's listen in to some excerpts of this. We'll start out with some football stuff, some behind-the-scenes stuff from broadcasting land. Okay, on a road game with a noon kickoff, what do you do from the time you wake up to the time you get to the stadium. Take me through the timeline. Road game. Yeah, when do you wake up and oh, all that road stuff? games are nice. Yeah. I love road games. because, And I know you feel like this, too. Like, you love your kids. <laughs> However, it's you, not... If you don't know this, Mark has two. Yes, two I got a four, 14 and seven right now. And I've got four. I've got a couple six-year-olds. Jeez, so you four. really love the road right, trips. Right. But, you know, it's nice to have a break, and yeah. you're really focused. It's funny because, like, Bill O'Brien talks about how the team is very focused on the road because... And it's very understandable. You sequester everybody in the hotel. You know, everybody is banded together. You eat together. You know, we always go out very often. Sometimes you stay in the room because you're just so exhausted from the four kids. But we 
bond on those road trips, and and it's really a tremendous experience. It's a road trip, right? I mean, you go with your friends somewhere, it feels the same way. Uh, when I wake up, I automatically turn on the light, get my uh, notes, uh-huh. and I, I read the notes. So you start I, you start it right away? Right away. Do you I set put, an alarm? Do you wake up at this time? Yeah, I, I try to wake up like four and a half hours before kickoff if it's a noon game, like so okay. 7.30. 7.30, all right. Yeah. And I know you guys get to the stadium before I do. I can't get to the stadium too early. Right, because you've got too much nervous energy. You I walk around prepare. like an expectant yeah. father, no, okay? I, and I don't need to be there for my radio yeah, yeah. job. I don't need to be there as early. Otherwise, I'll be, like, walking around. I'll be talking to people. I'll just, you know, whatever, uh, which is nothing wrong with that, but you get my drift. So I wake up, and I go right to the notes because I'm a great short-term memory guy. Now, I, people think, oh, you remember every game? And I do remember every game, but I'm not one of these – savants who can remember scores and stats from every game. I might remember that Ron Dane ran for, what, 153 yards in the win over the Colts in 2006, and he had two touchdowns. I remember stuff like that, but not everything. But the short-term memory is strong. Like in school, I could look over the vocab right before the test and ace the test. So you knew about gauche, no problem. But you you ask me. Preponderance, no problem. My kid has those words. He's in eighth grade. So uh, the next day, though, I might not remember the words. I so might it comes in, it comes out, but, but it's there oh, for yeah, a little bit, yeah. and it rattles around. And the, the games, is, it's a very short-term memory thing, mm-hmm. you know. And, and then the final exam, you know, at school, you better do a tremendous review. Re-review. So uh, I like to look over the notes and the numbers. You know, I always always talk about this. I'm, I'm memorizing the opponent's numbers so every week. 732, you're already on to this. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing that. I know, you're like, get on with it, please. This is like question two. <laughs> anyway, anyway, uh, I turn on the TV because it's always fun to watch uh, the ESPN and NFL mm-hmm. Network uh, pregame shows. I make sure we're on the air on radio. I check out Twitter. I watch Drew's walk from the locker room to the field. You do it for every road game. I love that. I retweet that. You know, and that gets me in the mood. I get some breakfast in the room usually, yep. usually in the room. And I'm just, I'm so fired up. I mean, I'm really grateful to be part of this experience. Yeah, I yeah. literally, and I, I don't mind saying this, I literally get on my knees before I leave the room every time. And I'm, I'm, I'm thankful to my higher power that I am there and I have the opportunity to do what I do. I'm, I'm that grateful, uh-huh. okay, to be able to do that. And then I hit the bus, hopefully on time. I get on the bus and go to the game. And you there's said hopefully nothing. on time. Hold on. Because. They left early once yes. without me. And they, they left pretty darn early. They didn't they did. leave a minute They left early. 12 minutes early. That's Usually it. I'm down there between 5 and 10 minutes to go. I'm yep. never, like, within 5. I'm, I am I know that, you know, they don't want to wait on anybody. Right, right, and right. I don't want to be the one they're waiting on. But in Kansas City regular season this year, they left about 12, 13 minutes early ahead of schedule. So I was just getting downstairs, and Andre texts me, this bus is moving. I'm like, oh, great. Yeah. Okay. But I hopped in a cab. I actually beat the bus to the stadium. So oh, that, wow. was, that was pretty and good. And for the record, uh, when we heard about that, we were at the stadium. No offense, but there there was some howling of laughter yeah, I'm sure. amongst the crew. I'm sure. Because <laughs> we just had this idea of, yeah. of Mark's face, like, with your hands like this, looking oh, yeah. around. Oh, yeah. It was sure going to be bad. A furiousness. Be bad. Okay, so that's your routine before. Mm-hmm. Which road game, what do you do from the final whistle uh-huh. until the time you get on the plane? Not the bus, but final whistle. To the time you get on the plane. Well, we do a tw- like a twenty-minute pregame show in the booth. Okay. This is, no, after after the game. Oh, after after the game. So the game is over. The I'm Texans done with my win. broadcast. Yeah, it's a win on the road. All right. So right. after my pre, because I do a tiny little postgame. So I, uh, Andre and I walk downstairs, okay. and hopefully we're happy. Sometimes we're not happy. Yeah. And you you know what it's like because when the team travels, uh, we all travel with the team on multiple buses. You do TSA at the stadium yep. most often. Some states don't let you do that. 
but most of the time you do TSA at the stadium. So yeah, guys like once like, or twice a year you don't. Like yeah. Every stadium you're going through security. You're there. going through security at the stadium. It's, it's really interesting how they do that, and it works like clockwork. I mean, the guys, you know, Clay Hampton and company and everybody in football ops who are responsible for this, they do a tremendous job moving What's the traveling party? Like 150 people, whatever it is. They move them very quickly. And we get through security, get on the bus. On the bus, on the road, I write an article, Vanderbeer's View. I write that article. I pound that out. If we have a home game the next day, I'm the next game, I'm pounding out my game day magazine preview right then because it has to go to press the next day. So I'm doing that on the bus, and I'm doing some hot reads for the tailgate times that has to go to press the next day that they distribute at home games. So I write three articles on the bus in about 45 minutes, just blast them out. It's really easy after a game for me to just. Sure. And I don't, I'm not like you and DP when you're getting all the quotes and all that stuff. It's pretty much free flowing thought for me. So I can just knock that down on paper and then we're on the bus and then we're on the plane. You know, we, we board the plane. Usually the players get on first, we board the plane and then we're off and running back home. And it, it works very smoothly most of the time. Yeah. Every time I get on the bus on a road game, you know, you've already gotten Mm -hmm. down there and your head is down and you're, you know, the white glow from the screen, you're, you're hammering away. So three different articles, that's pretty good stuff. Okay, your favorite guitar player of all time? It's Jimmy Page, and he's not the best rock guitarist ever. I'm very clear on this. Like, when people ask you, what's the best this or the best movie or the best that, there's a difference between your favorite and the best, in my opinion. Why is he your favorite? Uh, Jimmy Page is my favorite because I just identify with Led Zeppelin. I love them. I love the whole mystique, the vibe. He's a tremendous guitarist. He makes mistakes, though. To me... Page is not perfect, but there's so much music coming out of that axe, okay? And when you listen to them live, like the song remains the same live album, there are mistakes everywhere, but it's so tremendously brilliant. He's doing so many different things, virtuoso. And I liken him, sometimes I like the football players like that too. Like Dan Fouts is my favorite all-time quarterback, makes mistakes, right. but there's so much great stuff. Even Watson makes mistakes, but you want to watch it. You want to see the yeah. art, you know? Tom Brady lost three Super Bowls. You know, I right. mean, he's right. Yeah, exactly. Everybody, everybody makes some mistakes in sports. But all right. So I think the best rock guitarist of all time is Jimi Hendrix. OK, right. but Jimmy Page is my favorite rock. Guitarist. Jimmy Page is your favorite. Okay. Yeah. I'm just so glad we got all that important information out there. All right. That's going to do it for the show tonight. Check out that Drew's Dozen Questions podcast on the app or wherever fine podcasts are available. It's fun. We go in depth on a whole bunch of things that you may or may not be interested in. I think you will. I think you're going to enjoy it. I also think you will enjoy Texans 360 Saturday nights, 11 o'clock on ABC 13. Last week, the show had to go head to head with Watt on SNL. That kind of was a little bit of a challenge for us, but we still got good ratings. Maybe people didn't know JJ was on SNL. Who knows? Anyway, it's been great to have you listening tonight. Thank you, Figgy, for producing. We'll be back on here on Monday at 6. Have a great weekend, and go Texans!